Hey, the important questions are these. How can coaches like us, who want to spend more time with our family, not miss our kids growing up, who aren't worried about our own egos, and bust our asses coaching, but don't want to stay up at the coach's office all day and night working on tasks that just don't matter? How do we continue with our passion of coaching football and still have a normal life with our kids while being a hell of a leader for our players and coaches? Those are the questions, and this is the podcast that will give you the answer. My name is Coach Barber, and welcome to Systemizing Your Defense. Hello, football coaches. Welcome to the first ever episode of Systemizing Your Defense. I am your host, Coach Barber, and I'm as excited as hell to be kicking off this podcast series. This is a project that I have been working on for almost a year now. Football seasons are starting to wind down. I know in the state of Texas, we start the playoffs this weekend. You are listening. Good luck if you're in the playoffs. If not, I know the first day of the 2022 season in Texas starts the following Monday. So this is a great time to kick off this podcast series and see if we can help coaches install a system. Before we get started with talking about uh, system versus scheming, uh, just a little background about myself. I grew up uh, as a coach's son in Conroe, Texas, just 40 miles north of Houston. Uh, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. Conroe was a small town with less than 10,000 people, and on Friday nights, there were way more than 10,000 people in the stands for a football game, uh, standing room only. It was a football-crazed town. Uh, nowadays, I think Conroe's approaching 100,000 people. It's attached to Houston, and they might get 4,000 people in the stands. Uh, It was a little bit different growing up in the 80s. My father was my head football coach. I was fortunate enough to start 28 games in two seasons. Uh, That included eight playoff games. I was a uh, strong safety slash outside backer slash uh, rover, uh, whatever the terminology was back in the 80s. But it was my first experience with being in a system. Uh, My father was a defensive coordinator before he became the head coach. And he installed the 50 defense, which nowadays is referred to as a 3-4. And we ran it uh, from 7th grade to 12th grade. And there wasn't a whole lot of change to it. Uh, In the secondary, we ran a a man coverage. If we were going to stunt, which we didn't do a whole lot of, uh, we ran a two-shell in our halves coverage. And then we ran a a three-shell, which rolled me down to an outside backer. Uh, We either rolled to uh, the, the strength, the weakness, the field the boundary, whatever the call was. Uh, The one thing I did know was me and the nose were always opposite in a 50. Uh, If we shaded the nose and we were going to roll the secondary, if we played the nose head up, we were going to be in a two shell. Uh, Simple rules like that. So it was a system. We didn't spend a whole lot of time uh, putting new stuff in. Uh, We did what we did and we knew what we were doing and we were taught how to line up, how to read, how to react and we were told to knock the crap out of people when we got there and that's what we did. 
We were always considered one of the more physical teams in the Houston area, if not the state of Texas. So uh, I had a good idea of what a system was before I got into coaching. I took my first job out of college. Uh, I graduated from Texas Tech University. I did not play college football. I played college baseball. I bounced around, uh, transferred like a lot of college baseball players do, but I ended up graduating from Texas Tech University, uh, and I knew that I wanted to be a football coach. Uh, I never wanted to be a baseball coach. I had I had that in my blood, going back to being a little kid, being drug around to work with my father at a young age. I took my first job in Grand Saline, Texas at Grand Saline High School under my father. He had left Conroe sometime when I was in college, not real sure the exact year, but he left Conroe, wanted to go back to the small towns as Conroe was getting too big. And my second year there, he turned the defense over to me. I uh, said, you know it, run it, and you know do what you got to do. And he ran the offense. We were in a tough situation. Uh, the school had been 2A. They went up to 3A. Everybody left. We got hired. We took a lot of ass whippings that first year. That second year, we were picked dead last in the district, and we ended up 6-4, and four, which was the first winning season. And only winning season Grand Salina High School ever had at the 3A level. Following spring, we went back down to 2A, and everybody in town and all the coaches were excited as hell, and we really felt like we could make a deep playoff run and possibly contend for a state championship at the 2A level. However, like a lot of small towns, coaching football, how it happens, uh, we did not get our contracts renewed. Uh, The only person that got his contract renewed was the head baseball coach, so it was time for all of us to leave, and I learned early. I think I was in my early 20s about the business of hiring and firing in football. Uh, I moved on about 30 minutes down the road to Crandall, coached there for a couple years, and then ended up uh, back down in the Houston area. I got married and and moved to Houston in the same year. While I was at Crandall is when this whole thought process of systemizing a defense came to mind. Uh, At Crandall, we ran a 50 defense, just like we did at Grand Saline. Uh, They slanted a lot more than we ever did, um, a lot more than I was used to. Uh, But we did stuff in the secondary. We did a lot of different coverages my first year there. We didn't really have what I called a base coverage. And so it seemed like every Monday I was teaching something new to do or different to do. And then in the offseason, me and the defensive coordinator got to spend a lot of time together, and we developed a great relationship. And he he trusted me and, and said, yeah, you do what you need to do in the secondary, and we simplified things. And we became, our base coverage was a two-shell with our safeties calling cloud or sky, depending on the uh, the, the width of the alley. And then we'd roll to cover three uh, to two trips. And that was, that was pretty much all we did. We ran a little bit of man-free, but very little there. We were pretty much a zone defense. And, and things got better. Uh, we, we executed well. And when I left to head back to Houston, they continued to do the things that, that we were doing. And... And they had a lot of success doing it. Uh, but the one thing that, that, that happened at Crandall, I wasn't married, but we worked a hell of a lot of hours. And it was a hell of a lot of hours of doing nothing. We would come in off the practice field, you know, at 5, 5.30, and the kids would get out. And then we'd sit up there just talking and visiting until 8.30 or so. And when the head coach said, hey, boys, it's time to go home. And we left. And I didn't have a wife or kids at home, so I didn't mind. But I didn't sit well in boredom. So that, that second year I was there, um, I knew what to expect, and I started spending time at my desk developing a system where everybody would know what to do, no matter what, uh, to every formation and to every play, and you played technique and you knew what to do. 
it. And so you didn't you didn't sit around talking about ideas and you didn't stay up there all night and you could get home to your families. And I felt bad for these guys that were missing their kids playing junior high football or little league football. And I didn't want to be that guy. So I said, I'm going to develop a system where I can assign coaches these duties and they get them done and they can go see their kids. And I knew I wanted to have kids one day too. And I knew I wanted to, I didn't want to miss them growing up. So those were some growing years um, at Crandall where I learned a lot. I moved back to Houston. I ended up at Langham Creek High School uh, early 2000s, 2000, 2001. Coach Damel promoted me uh, to defensive coordinator and gave me my chance to install the system that I'd been working on. Uh, Coach Damel himself was a huge system person. Uh, He was the poster child for consistency. I mean, we knew what we were doing when we showed up to work on Monday, and that included on Sundays in season. You just knew what you were doing before you ever got to work, and and it worked. We won a hell of a lot of football games, made a few deep playoff runs, and everybody got along, and it, it, it was a good time. Good players, and, and so everything clicked. And so we installed uh, our system there at, at Langham Creek, and we had some success. Uh, and then Coach Damel retired, and the consistency kind of retired with him, and things became quite chaotic. We went from knowing what we were doing when we showed up to work on Monday in, in this system to showing up to athletic period and everybody saying, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? And nobody knowing. And then the frustration sets in. And uh, the, the winds left as well. And that kind of solidified my philosophy on running a system. Uh, I left Langham Creek. Uh, ended up in Kempner as a defensive coordinator. Uh, Kempner High School's in Sugar Land. And Kempner was having a lot of success at the time. They were making playoff runs themselves. A lot of talent. Uh, we had a lot of talent going in. Uh, I got to bring in a whole new defensive system and new defensive assistants. I mean, we had a whole new uh, defensive staff. So we were starting from ground up. And they had a lot of success before I got there because they had a hell of a lot of talent. But it was an opportunity for me to uh, input my system. And uh, it was a system that that a lot of coaches, when they left Kempner, they took them to other places. And they're still running them today. And and that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm very grateful to that. Um, my first couple years at Kempner, we were damn good on defense. We were one of the top defenses in the Houston area. Uh, we had a hell of a lot of good talent. Um, in fact, uh, one year I had two safeties in the same secondary that played in the NFL, uh, and one of them still playing uh, with the Arizona Cardinals right now. So we did have some players. That made it nice, but we had damn good coaches that bought into the system. Um, I started at that time with our success. Coaches were asking me, um, were calling me and asking me about about uh, installing, helping them install uh, what we were doing on defense, and that took that took my goals to a whole new level, and 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 even brought me to where I am right now. And that is, I wanted to help other coaches. There was something about helping other coaches that I just absolutely loved. I don't know if it was talking ball all day long with good people, or if it was actually helping other coaches. I'd like to think it was helping other coaches. But it started with uh, Coach Brister, Chris Brister, who's now the head coach at Sci Falls High School. Uh, he wanted to to learn a lot about what we were doing with our two shell, and uh, we had a good time doing that. And I, I really got I really got attached to doing it. Uh, then um, Trent Faith over at Side Creek, he wanted to install our whole defense. He watched us a few times, like the way we we quick triggered. We were always lined up properly, no confusion, and how physical we were. So he he installed it at Side Creek High School uh, back around 2008, and I think the first or second year they they were running the 
the defense. They made the deepest playoff run that Cy Creek had made in years. And he he took that he took that defensive system over to Cy Woods or tried to. It didn't quite work out at Cy Woods. Um, I think having people buy into it was a problem. But um, you know he he had some success with it. So uh, anyway, I was speaking at clinics around the Houston area, and I had other coaches um, that I wasn't as good of friends with. They were just coaches that I met uh, because we'd played against each other or they had seen us on film or whatever. But they had called and they wanted to learn a little bit more. And I kind of got hooked on helping coaches. And so as I got older and I started thinking about getting out of coaching, this is what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, I wanted to build something that I could help and reach as many coaches nationwide as I could and help as many people as I can and give back the way that coaches did for me. So that leads me to here. Um, but now let's get into our first episode, systemizing versus scheming. And let's look at the difference of the two and hopefully we get a better understanding. You know, if you're running a system, first of all, let's define system. A system is a set of principles or procedures according to which something is done, an organized framework or method. So there's some key words in there, principles, organized, framework. So a system is something that's organized and it's run by a coordinator and a coordinator, the definition of a coordinator is a person whose job is to organize. So if you're running a system, it's an organized method of doing something. Being organized, then every single person within that system knows what it is they're doing. Rather, it's a coach coaching his position or it's a player playing his position. It is organized such that you know everything about that position. It's not a change of day to day. And we'll get into that more when we talk about scheming. But the advantages to systemizing or running a system is the consistency. I mean, you can't build momentum without consistency. So if we're consistent with what we're doing, there comes a point where you're not teaching what to do, but you're teaching how to do it. And with that organization, you get coaches on the same page. Everybody's on the same page from the defensive coordinator down to every single position player. You know what you're doing on a daily basis when you go out to the practice field. And now all you have to do is get better at what you're doing. Well, with that, the advantages are now you have assistant coaches that are taking ownership in their position because they no longer have to check in with you on what you're doing. They already know what we're doing because they know the system. You can now manage those coaches and those players and make sure that you're teaching them to get better, not teaching them what to do. It makes it a whole lot easier to hold people accountable because now there's no reason for confusion. How many times have we had players use confusion to do whatever the hell it is that they want to do. They're teenage boys. On a daily basis, you get to focus on improving technique and fundamentals, not teaching what to do all the time. With knowing what to do, now you get to focus on building relationships. And coaching, whether we realize it or not, is not about winning and losing. It's about building relationships. If everybody knows what to do, the focus is not learning what to do, but it's going out and doing it, and now you're building relationships. You're building trust. You're building confidence in each other. The biggest thing about a system is it gets everybody on the same page. It makes it easier to work together. It builds morale. Now people wake up in the morning and they can't wait to get to work because they have ownership in what they're doing. They know what they're doing. There's no confusion to what players are the same one. They go to practice knowing that they're going to get better. There's no frustration because they don't know what to do. As a defensive coordinator every year, the first day we met in July or early August, whenever it was, I passed out a playbook. I asked the assistants to keep me consistent and hold me accountable to that playbook. 
At Kempner, our motto was to learn it, to love it, and to live it. And that's what we did. If something was inconsistent in the playbook, we changed it so that it was consistent with our system. I want zero confusion. Now let's look at scheming. The definition of scheming is the activity or practice of making secret or unhanded plans. Secret. If it's a secret, then nobody knows what the hell's going on. There's already confusion. The problem with scheming is the inconsistency that goes with it. We've all worked on those staffs where every week, based on what the opponent did, you drew up different stuff. And then you went out there on Monday and tried to implement it. So you're teaching now instead of coaching to get better. You're teaching new ideas. So you've lost time on getting better. When scheming, it always seems like you're starting over. You're never creating momentum. How can you create momentum when there's no consistency? Another problem with scheming is the frustration that sets in. I've been on staffs where you never knew what was going on, and then you got frustrated. And at that point, you become apathetic. You really don't give a shit what happened. The frustration also brings finger pointing. The finger pointing starts among the coaches and the players. Everybody's pointing the finger at because of all the confusion and the inconsistency. And then we go back to what we talked about earlier. Now you've allowed players to use confusion to do whatever the hell it is they want to do anyway. It's hard to hold them accountable. The one thing that always got me about people that scheme is they expect to get 11 players, teenage young men, on the same page, but they can't get five coaches on the same page or four coaches or however many are are on a defensive staff. How can you expect to get 11 teenage boys on the same page when you can't get adults on the same page because of the confusion? I remember one time drawing up coverages. I was a secondary coach, and I won't say where I was. Was because the one thing that I don't want to do is talk negative about certain people. But I remember drawing up coverages and we were using double numbers to call coverages. For example, 23, 46, 12. And we would call 46 and that meant four on one side, six on the other. Or 23 meant two to one formation, three to the other. And then we'd screw it up. And I was like, well, shit, I'm confused. Which one of those coverages is to one side or the other? And which one is to one formation or the other? There was a lot of finger pointing going on then. In a scheming system, morale sucks. Well, how can morale be good when finger pointings happen? Another thing was another thing that happens when morale sucks is assistants start looking for jobs in the off season, looking for a better situation, looking to coach somewhere where there's a system. Another thing about schemers is they never have a playbook. I worked for a guy one time at a young age as a secondary coach that never, ever gave out a defensive playbook. Because if he did, then he would be held accountable to what that playbook says. Without the playbook, he can change things at any given time. Another thing about a system is the answers to the question are already answered. I don't know how many times I've seen a formation or a play put up on the board and ask, how are you going to stop it? Well, I I put my system up there and the answer's already there and I show them. I don't have to have the dry erase marker last. Where a schemer will sit and think about it for a while and then see if he can scheme up a plan for that individual formation or play. The system that we run is a 3-4 system. We use three down linemen, four linebackers, and four defensive backs. It's a hybrid 3-4 because we will shade quite a bit. In fact, uh, in systemizing your defense, we will cover our shade front throughout the podcast. What we can expect in episodes ahead is we'll get into our four pillars of defense, which are alignment, keys, responsibility, and technique. We'll we'll go over the alignment rules of our shade front, uh, the principle of our rules. Our our alignment rules will always give us a man advantage to both sides. Uh, We'll never line up 
without an alley slash fold player, and we'll go over what that is. We'll never line up without an edge player. We'll always be four on three to trips, three on two to twins, and two on one versus singles. Our keys will stay consistent from week to week, formation to formation. Linebackers will always read the same back and feel linemen. I grew up in a 50 defense where we read uh, guards. In fact, my first defensive coordinator's job at Grand Saline, we read guards. But as the game got faster, I didn't want to read guards anymore. They were a whole lot slower than backs. So we switched to backs, but we still got to know what the linemen are doing. We went from reading guards to filling backs to now reading backs, filling linemen, and it allowed us to play faster. Uh, Our secondary keys, um, their eyes are always in the same place, no matter if it's man, zone, or combo. That way we don't give give up anything pre-snap. As far as responsibilities go, we are a gap control defense based on flow. Linebackers are two gap players, flow to or flow away. We're big on teaching play side and back side based on flow. Our defense revolves around that. Our fundamental techniques that we'll cover, uh, we are an attacking front. We are looking to get to the heel line. We are an overlapping defense at each level. Our front will attack getting to the heel line. Our linebackers will overlap our front getting downhill and our secondary will overlap our linebackers replacing them in run fits. We want to read, react, run, and be as physical as we can be at the point of contact. I know nowadays sometimes that's frowned upon, but football is still a physical game, and that's the way we'll teach it. All right, we covered some differences between what a system is and what a uh, day-to-day, week-to-week scheming defense is. Uh, Those schemers give up a hell of a lot of points on Friday nights, where us system guys uh, usually can hold people down at least um, to where our offense can score enough points to win. Uh, I, I can remember watching uh, University of Texas play Baylor one night, and I think the final score was 68-65. This was at least 10 years ago. It was when Baylor was starting to get good. And my brother is a diehard Longhorn, and he was at the house. Our seasons had ended, and he was at the house, and we were watching the game. And both teams were just dialing up stunts every single play. And I think the final score was something like 69 to 63. It was something awful. Game lasted forever. And I remember telling him, I said, you know what? I think teams could just line up in base defense and be better than that. So why do we do all this? I've never been a big scheme guy, and I never will. I hope that you continue to join us as we uh, go through how to systemize your defense and we start covering more and more topics. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to helping as many as I possibly can. Uh, If you have any questions, feel free to email me at coachbarber at systematicfootball.com with any questions you may have. Uh, Look us up on Facebook, uh, Systematic Football. I will answer as many emails as I possibly can. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting each and every one of you. And until next week, go systemize your defense.